at Sunday Surefire, we have a vision. And that vision is to dish out the most sound fantasy and bending advice in the industry. And guess what? It just so happens that our brand new sponsor at KYMZ Oils has a vision too. Together, we'll give you the fresh picks and KYMZ will give you all the fresh scents. Beautiful match. All you got to do is Google KYMZ Oils and try out their top seller, Vision, to start smelling fresh today. Make sure to use promo code KYMZ Surefire for an extra 5% off. That's KYMZ Oils. Remember, just Google it. You'll find it. First thing that comes up, promo code KYMZ Surefire. Sunday Surefire Podcast. I'm your host, the Commish. Joining me today is the co-host, Aaron Downtown Brown. Hey, hey. And the other co-host, Ethan Weaver. Commish, how we doing? Doing pretty well, boys. Doing pretty well. Hanging in there. Uh, football is upon us quickly here. We have the first uh, first week of preseason already in the books. And... This episode here, we're not going to have a ton of structure to it. We're actually just going to talk kind of just some some happenings around the league. We're going to talk about some of the recent signings that have taken place. We're going to talk about some camp battles and kind of some more crowded situations and kind of how to see where we're at we're at on those those uh those developments and kind of give you our thoughts on them. So this is kind of a good exercise. It's going to be more of, of a conversation that we're having here as football fans and, and as fantasy analysts as well. So. Let's just go right to our first point here. We got Dalvin Cook reaching, finally reaching an agreement with the Jets on a one-year, $7 million contract plus another $1.6 million in incentives in his deal. So what do you think, uh, Ethan, we'll start with you, my man. What do you think about Cook finally coming to terms in New York? I mean, I think it's something that we were all projecting i mean he was there on the sidelines at jets practice aaron Rodgers basically came out and said that he's taking less money even though he's really not but restructuring to create more money uh for free agent signings and basically alluded to uh dalvin cook on the sidelines so i i was expecting dalvin cook in new york uh it's unfortunate for that running back room izzy banican has been looking pretty good through two preseason games and that pretty much killed any shot of him being relevant this year. Uh, Michael Carter, uh, he's going to go down to minimum RB3 on the depth chart. And Zonovan Knight was actually a de- decent as, as a rookie last year, but he he's probably going to have trouble making the roster at this point. So big impacts to that room. I still think Brees Hall is going to be the main guy when fully healthy. But what what scares me and which I uh, alluded to in previous episodes where Brees Hall was my bus candidate was the fact that the jets are going to take it very easy with him. In my opinion, I, I don't think you bring in Dalvin cook and then just force Brees Hall to kind of hit the ground running week one. Yeah. They're going to ease Brees Hall in They They have aspirations uh, for a super bowl this year. They're They're going to be, very patient with Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook's going to get the majority of touches early on. And then it's going to come, uh, 
go to a uh, probably a, mainly a two man committee with Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook, but um, obviously kills the upside of, of of Brees Hall and it kills the upside of Dalvin Cook. I mean, Dalvin Cook obviously over the past few seasons has been an RB one um, every single year in Minnesota. Clearly, the guy those days are over. I know Cook lost some efficiency last year, and he's not the he's not the same guy he was um two three years ago but still still a decent productive nfl back that's going to get his touches and um just makes this situation pretty messy in new york yeah let me jump in there on the analytics piece of cook i have those queued up here ready to go you know he's a guy who was very fancy viable like ethan said but you know i think last year was his worst year from an efficiency standpoint for sure and i think joining joining up as part of a committee here with Brees hall and some of the other guys that you mentioned are is exactly what he needed I mean, just looking at his 2022 season here, um, you know, his his true yards per carry was 37th in the league. Yards per touch, 27th. Juke rate, 39th. Evaded tackles, 15th, which wasn't bad. His breakaway run weight was 30th in the league among running backs. So, you know, kind of starting to show signs of age and, and wear and tear piling up. So I think this is going to maybe even extend his career a little bit past 2023 even, where, you know, for – but just for this year, it, it's kind of a good – He's a good compliment from a real football standpoint. He can do a lot of the things that Brees Hall does. He does not have to come off the field on third down uh, if the Jets don't want him to. He's a capable pass catcher. Uh, it does hurt some of the upside for Brees Hall. I agree on that point. I think by the end of the year, we're going to see Brees taking more and more of the workload as the uh, as the season progresses, just because you know he was drafted in the second round last year to be the guy that they lean on. And I think Cook's a kind of a good guy to, to help Brees come along slow and then maybe – seen a little bit of work as the year goes on to to Brees Hall and the way that the Jets wanted wanted this to unfold when they took Brees Hall where they did two years ago. So that's where I'm at on the Delvin Cook spot, Aaron. What do you what do you think, man? Yeah, I think with this signing, I think it's I think it's gonna be a little frustrating for um both Hall and Cook owners, as you guys said, because I think they're I think they're both able to play identical downs, as you mentioned, right? Like you don't necessarily need to take either one of them out. They can they can actually both be workhorse backs. So um, it reminds me of a situation where I think coaches will sometimes just play the hot hand, right? So if you got a um, you know a good drive, you might leave them in. Where you know sometimes they script their plays where that might not be the the case. I mean they they might just go with what's rolling and what maybe what Aaron wants to do too. Um, so I, it, it it's interesting because it you think of uh, even the green Bay offense with uh, Aaron Rodgers when he had Aaron Jones and in the later years with uh, AJ Dillon. Right. So like, at least there you kind of knew like a thunder or lightning approach, but I think there might be situations where fantasy owners might get a little angry because somebody might be on the, on the goal line and they, they, they have no, um, you know, they're going to be comfortable switching um, one of them out um, to give one a breather and, um, and, and just the opposite of just playing the hot hand too. So I think it's going to be like, pick your poison over there with that, with those two, once, um, Hall is fully healthy. Um, but yeah, I think it's a great move from a, a football perspective. And I think if you're a Jets fan, you're happy just to add more weapons, but as us on the show with fantasy owners, um, it could be possibly frustrating, um, at times. Man, as a Jets fan, you're just happy that the team has a sniff at the playoffs this year. You know, they have the longest, the longest active playoff drought in the NFL dating all the way back to 2010, which is kind of crazy to think about. I mean, Ethan and I being Patriots fans, like we, 
like we know the Jets, the Jets, man, and they've been just a loser franchise for a long time. But there really is some optimism around them. They're getting star players now, which is something that that's something that did not happen in the past. So things are starting to look up in Jetland, at least for you know as far as the those fans are concerned. But let's stick in the AFC in the AFC East with our uh, our hometown Patriots here, Ethan. Um, and we'll just I'll start with you with this one. Like Zeke Elliott signs with with the, our Patriots here. It's a one year deal. Worth up to six million dollars in total, three million dollars in coming in base salary, one million in the form of incentives, uh, or sorry, one year, uh, one million in the form of a bonus, and then up to two million in incentives. So, um, you know, I guess, what are your thoughts on Zeke joining the team? What are your thoughts on the price point, and how do you think it's going to kind of shape this backfield for twenty twenty three? For real, for real life football, I mean, I don't mind Zeke coming to the Patriots. It, it gives some running back depth. Uh, some veteran depth that they really didn't have. I liked I like Pierre Strong um, coming into this. He was he was a sleeper in some previous episodes that I that I talked about. But clearly the Patriots weren't okay with having uh, Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong behind Ramondre Stevenson. They clearly wanted a veteran presence. They brought in Leonard Fournette. They brought in Dalvin Cook. They brought and then obviously they brought in Zeke Elliott. And the Zeke Elliott ended up signing for uh, with a with a one year deal up to six million dollars. So. To me, obviously, this limits Ramondre Stevenson's upside, but uh, I'm not. It's not all doom and gloom for Ramondre Stevenson managers. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson is going to be the clear guy on, on third downs, uh, two minute drill. He's still going to get his his touches. Zeke Elliott, by all accounts, is definitely at the in the back nine of his career. He looked pretty cooked in, in Dallas last year, and the Dallas Cowboys. They literally we're okay with the likes of Malik Davis, Rico Dowdle, uh, Ronald Jones, and Deuce Vaughn to pick up the slack for the vacated carries and, and targets that uh, Zeke Elliott left. And those names aren't, um, aren't, aren't stud running backs, right? They're, they're kind of um, coming from the scrap heap here and uh that's uh coming a lot for me considering ronald jones was uh mentioned in that in that in that party of uh four backs there we but, really um, can't go a whole episode without talking about <laughs> ronald jones can we oh of, of course not <laughs> but um I, we should do a full rojo uh will fuller gabe davis episode and and i'd be me and ethan to be set I, yeah I, i'm gonna be the, i'm gonna be sick for that episode and yeah <laughs> We just can't quit on these guys, but um, yeah, but no, it just so the Dallas Cowboys clearly could have brought they, they could have they could have re-signed Zeke and brought him back for a similar contract, and they said, yeah, we're all, we're all set. So I, I don't think Zeke's going to come in here and and relegate Ramondre Stevenson to a, a minuscule role. He's kind of as we alluded to Dalvin Cook. He's he's late in his career. Uh, he's more he's just a committee back right now. He's going to spell Stevenson. He can take up those in between the twenties carries and, and ease Stevenson's workload. Cause last year, Stevenson came out and said that it was a grind last year. He said he, his body was killing him towards the end of the season that the NFL workload was taking a, a massive toll on his body and he just wasn't fresh down down the stretch and the new england pages realized that they knew that and they wanted to bring somebody in that they were comfortable with in pass protection and to hand the ball off that's not going to fumble that is a veteran that they're they're confident in and that was zeke elliott so i, I don't i still think Ramondre stevenson has 
uh, upside, but it's going to, it's going to really suck if Zeke Elliott falls in the end zone eight to 10 times this year, because that's definitely going to hurt. Obviously Ramondre Stevens is upside, but uh, I think from a football perspective, it's, it's not a bad move from the Patriots, but Ramondre Stevenson, in my opinion, is still the clear RB one on this team. And it's not even close. Aaron, talk to me, uh, talk to me about Zeke here. Well, I guess we'll get you sandwiched in here between two, uh, Patriots fans (laughs) on our, our newest running back. There you go. I appreciate that. Sometimes I feel a little outnumbered these days on the show, but uh, no, I, I think that, um, you know, it's not, not so much, you know, the talk of the town is it so much the Zeke, you know, Zeke's uh, fantasy value. It's more Stevenson. What does that do to Stevenson? I, I, I agree with Ethan. I think Stevenson is still the guy over there. Um, you got to remember, I mean, Stevenson wasn't even the RB one at the start of the season with the, with the past last year, that was, Damian Damian Harris's job he took away from him, right? So that was coming after a season where Damian Harris had 15 touchdowns in 2021. So um, I think they'll, you know, the recent trend in New England is they still punch the ball in, and you know, rather Zeke, you know, yes, he may steal a few goal line touchdowns this year, but I think still at the end of the day they're still gonna punch the ball in. I think that's what we know of Bill Belichick. So um, I, I still think Stevenson um, will be an every down back. He'll get his goal on carries. Yes, he probably will too. But um, yeah, I, I think a lot of people were maybe thinking Stevenson would be a top five running back. Is it still on the cards? Yeah, I don't think Zeke's going to take that much away um, from Stevenson this year. So, And then on the football uh, perspective, like you said, I think it does help the Pats out, get a little bit more pass protection at times for uh, – for uh, Mac Jones, give Stevenson a break as well. Like you said, give him some rest a little bit more. So um, I think it's a, just a good move. And I, I don't think fantasy players should um, freak out too much by the Zeke uh, signing as, uh, as, as we know, it's, you know, more of a running back committee uh, league. Right. So um, I want to be running uh, for the Hills just yet with the, <laughs> with the old, uh, old Zeke signing. I agree on a lot of the points from the real football standpoint. I won't go too deep down that rabbit hole. Yes, it's a veteran back, someone who can kind of spell Ramondre when needed. Definitely agree on those points. Um, I just listed off a lot of the the metrics on Dalvin Cook and him kind of fading out. A lot of these metrics are actually even worse for Ezekiel Elliott. If we're looking at just his 2022 season, uh, yards per touch among running backs, he was 55th in the league. Juke rate. 48th, which is honestly kind. If you like watch Zeke play last year, I was surprised it was even that high among uh, his peers at the running back position. Evaded tackles, number 36. Breakaway run weight, for, uh, 41st. So just really just down, down, down. You look at his receptions. I mean, for the fifth year in a row, he had a decline in the receiving game in that department. He only caught 17 passes last season. So like the guy, as good as he is as a pass blocker, I can see him getting out there on maybe third and long if it's an obvious passing down and he just needs to diagnose where the blitzers are coming and he can eat up bodies that way. Yes, that definitely is going to help the Patriots for sure. But let's not forget that Ramondre Stevenson caught 69 balls a season ago. They are not going to just take that away from this offense that desperately needs playmakers. Um, They have some decent guys on the outside and in the tight end room. Overall, it's a fine collection of skill players, but that element of this this backfield is definitely going to be there in the form of Ramondre Stevenson. He could be a thorn in the side of the goal line, Ezekiel Elliott, that is, you know, two Ramondre managers this year for sure. But Ramondre Stevenson, at at the time of this recording, which is taking place about 24 hours after Ezekiel Elliott has signed his contract, 
Uh, Ramadre is 25th overall in ADP in Fantasy Pro's average draft position. Good for RB10 off the board. And I'm not bumping him down one spot with this news. We knew this was coming. We knew that a veteran was going to join this room. Ethan mentioned a couple guys that were coming in here um, in the form of veterans, you know, Fournette, et cetera. Even Daryl Henderson got a call. Like guys that are clearly like don't really have a ton to offer the NFL were coming in here. The Pats were looking for someone that they could get at a, uh, at a price point that they were comfortable with. And they may have even overpaid for Zeke a bit, but who knows. But all in all, as the resident Ramondre Stevenson truther in the big way, you're probably not shocked to hear that I'm uh, all in on him this year, and I'm not budging off that one single bit. But Hey, look, one one more thing to, here. One more point in here on Zeke, <laughs> Tell, Talk to us Patriots Don't, fans about Zeke. As Patriots fans, do not forget that Zeke um, can play center, as we are remembered by that last play <laughs> of the year <laughs> from the Cowboys. So hey, he uh, might he get blown up, though. Yeah. <laughs> but he can do it. He'll say he's not a no. You know, he won't turn it down. <laughs> hey, that was his last play of his Dallas career right there. Just get That's pancaked. Right. <laughs> You heard it. You heard it here, folks. David David Andrews is on the way out in favor of uh, Ezekiel Elliott. That's a the best Browntown take of uh of the month for sure. Which is saying something for him. Um, but Aaron, let's go back to you here. Let's see let's see what good takes you have on on this next one here. And uh, Anthony Richardson was today was named the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. No big shock, I guess. We kind of knew he'd be getting on the field as a rookie, given that the Colts spent the number four overall pick on him in this uh, most recent draft, but are you surprised that he got the nod as early as he did here over a Gardner Minshew was at least bounced around the league at all? Did that, did that surprise you at all? I'm not surprised with um, the higher draft capital with the quarterbacks nowadays. Like um, I think sometimes it's good for the quarterbacks as they're young to, you know, have a good uh, QB battle, but you know, I, I think this time of the year, it's really important for them to practice with the first team, you know, splitting reps. You know, if if you're not ready to just commit with um with some of these guys, then I, I think, you know, as you hear around the league, like a lot of coaches really, truly value this time, um, training camp time, preseason time to um, getting out there and practicing with the first team. So um, I I like um I like the fact that they're just going with it, naming them the starter. I think the earlier, the better, uh, as we as we mentioned with that early draft capital that they, they're saying, hey, he's our guy for the next couple of years. So um, why why may, play cute with it, right? So, um, yeah, definitely helps his value a little bit in my eyes. I, I think I was a little skeptical at first. You guys were high on him pretty pretty early, which is pretty cool. Um but I think the the most interesting case to keep track of is this whole Jonathan Taylor scenario. I don't see Taylor leaving the team, but if he does, oh man, I'll I'll probably buy myself an Anthony Richardson uh, jersey at that point because if you take <laughs> away their best <laughs> best uh, player on on the offense and leave with uh, a Rich, then uh, yeah, he, he's definitely going to be be a beast in fantasy. But um, Taylor comes back. Um, I'm I'm still playing both sides of the fence there with with him running the offense. So um, yeah, that's just my two cents there with with a rich. Ethan, I know I know you like a rich too, man. Keep keep the train rolling. I'm very high on Anthony Richardson now. He's the starter um, that we talked about in previous episodes. If, if he's out there starting all all 17 games, his floor is just very high. And you, you saw that in the in his preseason debut, he got off to a little rocky start. I believe his third pass attempt, he would just his mechanics were off. He was he was rolling out to his right, um, just poor mechanics, and threw it threw it right to uh, right to a defender for an interception. But then he rebounded 
uh, pretty well and, and led some nice drives, led a nice, uh, I believe, 13 play field goal drive and, and threw an absolute dime to Alec Pierce, which would have been a, a nice 30 uh, plus yard touchdown. But Alec, Alec Pierce unfortunately dropped it. But you just see the velocity, you just see the arm strength, you see the athleticism. He can create plays. And I think you're just going to see a ton of that this year. And he definitely uh, looked the best out of all the uh, the big three um, rookie quarterbacks in preseason week one. And then just a little uh, JT update. Uh, there are reports that he is back at training camp this week. So it looks like Jonathan Taylor is going to be uh, ready to go week one. He really has no leverage. I mean, he needs to, he needs to play this year. He needs to play to get to get his money and he needs to play to get that uh, year uh, to basically check off that year. Uh, in his contract, if he if he doesn't play um, a, a certain number of games, the year doesn't count um, towards his current contract. So, unfortunately, with the running back position we've we've talked about before, th- these guys really have no leverage. So, J- JT should be out there. Yeah, do you know if he's back out there at practice? I, last I saw, his reports were that he was rejoining the team, but still um, sticking true to his guns on his trade demand and just kind of present, but not on the field. Is that updated at all that you know of? No, it looks like he still remains in the PUP, but he was away from the team. Now he's back with the team. So obviously a uh, a trend in the right direction. But um, but we'll 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 see uh we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, okay. it's weird with Jonathan. It's weird with Jonathan Taylor because he came out. He tweeted out back at the team, basically said, saying that like uh that that random like I believe they mentioned his back or whatever. Um, that that that's why he was he, he couldn't practice, and then he basically tweeted out saying hey i don't know who's reporting this but it's essentially not true so it's just kind of a weird a weird situation i don't know i don't know if you guys saw that but it just seems like it's a uh a tricky situation with J- jt and uh indianapolis yeah i not shocked at all coming from jimmer saying the colts i mean i say it all the time ethan's heard me say this a hundred times that we would look at the colts like like they were the browns if they didn't get hit in the face with peyton manning and andrew luck at the right time so that's uh doesn't shock me at all that now that those guys are in the rearview mirror, the Colts are a mess of picking in the top five, but that's not going to throw any bit of cold water on Anthony Richardson for me. I can tell you that for sure. And this news of him officially getting the start, he's going to be the guy in week one is all I need to hear to have him fly up my rankings. You know, he's going to, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident here in this one, that he's going to finish in the top 10 in scoring quarterbacks this year as a rookie quarterback in 2023. I have him at QB nine overall in my, in, on my board in redraft formats. He's currently 15th overall in average draft position on Fantasy Pros, and players that are ranked ahead of him at the moment that I would definitely, I would definitely not take ahead of Anthony Richardson are Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, and Tua Tagovailoa. I'm, I would happily put a Rich in front of every one of those guys, and I fully admit that it's going to look ugly at times. Like, like Ethan referenced, like there were some plays in that preseason game where he looked like a rookie. That's going to happen. I have no doubt about that in my mind. But now that we know he's the guy from week one, he's not going to lose his job at any point this season because they have to see that he can play. It almost reminds me of a little bit of, of Kyler Murray from last season when he was on the field where Kyler Murray was a guy where he had like three points at halftime. You're like, oh, my God, my week is over. Like, this is terrible. Like, I'm going to lose. And then all of a sudden, like, you stop watching the Cardinals because they're getting blown out. And he finishes with 23 fantasy points. He gets most of it in the second half because he has that incredibly high rushing floor. So what I would recommend here is that you grab him at his current ADP, QB 15. If it creeps up a little bit, no problem. Continue to grab him there. And just don't watch the games. Let's just be happy to let the fantasy <laughs> points trickle in in the second half there. So I'm I'm all in on Anthony Richardson. I think I don't think we're going to have to wait very long to get the fantasy greatness out of it, even if it little takes a little bit of time for him to develop 
into a, a solid NFL quarterback that's consistent from week to week. Any uh any thoughts on any of that, boys, before we move on? Yeah, yeah. I, I, oh, this, this is talking, a hot topic. They're I guess. talking over each other. <laughs> no, I just wanted to. I just wanted to correct my uh my my uh previous statement. So yeah, Jonathan Taylor's back at back at um camp, but he his uh trade request seems to uh still stand. So maybe uh maybe Aaron will be getting a uh Anthony Richardson jersey <laughs> soon. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, especially um, you know, my my last point, and you know, I'm not not usually the one that that the final word all the time, but I uh, have had to call back these a couple times here already. But um, looking ahead, I know this is early, you know, preseason, but for all you Anthony Richardson owners in redraft, um, you got week 15, they're in Pittsburgh in, in the Indianapolis, right? Which is in the, in a dome, uh, week 16, um, Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta and then Las Vegas to finish in your fantasy playoffs. So kind of a juicy set of, uh, uh, championship games with, uh, Pittsburgh, the Falcons and the Raiders, uh, um, at the end of the year. So that's kind of juicy, especially as you said, as a running quarterback that he, he can rack up those points in your, in your playoff run. So I wanted to throw that little tidbit out there for this year, a running quarterback that can throw the ball a quarter mile and is who's much better than uncle Rico. <laughs> um, but speaking of a guy who doesn't throw the ball incredibly far down the field, but it was very viable in a small sample size last season. Let's talk about Brock Purdy in the San Francisco 49ers situation. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan uh, in an interview recently said that uh, essentially that that Brock Purdy would have to melt down is the quote that he used in practice to lose the starting gig at this point. And then went on to say that Purdy's too good to do that, to have that type of meltdown and and that he's you know really high on Purdy. Looks like he's going to be, even if not, maybe he's not officially in the starter yet, but everything's looking like that's going to be the case here. And Trey Lance and Sam Darnold of the world are going to be going to be sitting back and watching them take snaps this year. And it's kind of funny that, like if you look if you look at the contracts that these guys are making, I throw this I threw this out in our social medias as well. But if you combine Lance and Sam Darnold's contracts for what they're making this season, they're making almost ten times as much as Brock Purdy will be to start for them. So they're 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 making ten x combined to watch Mister Irrelevant play football games this fall. So not bad work if you can get it to uh, to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. That's for sure. But uh, Ethan, I know this one kind of tugs at your heartstrings a little bit, being a lifelong. Uh, Trey Lance truther for the last two years. So uh, tell me where you're at on this situation and, and how do you see it unfolding in, in San Fran? Yeah, I was huge on uh, Trey Lance. It was almost, I mean, Trey Lance was getting the same kind of hype that Anthony Richardson was. I mean, a rich, I mean, I can't even say Anthony Richardson is getting a little more hype because I mean, Trey Lance, I mean, I was all in on him. Many people were all in on him. Just that upside in that offense. It's very rare that a uh, top end um, draft prospect, a high, a top five pick goes to an offense that's just laid out for them to be successful with, with all those weapons. And San Francisco was that spot, but it's just, yeah, it's unfortunate for Trey Lance. And I just think Lance just lost all his confidence. He, he, if you just look at his raw numbers in his first preseason start, he was 10 for 15 for 112 yards and a touchdown. He was sacked four times and he just, those numbers, sound okay but if you actually uh, put on the tape and watched it he just held on the ball he just wasn't seeing the field he just he was he was hesitating you just could see a guy that was running around out there just not confident which is why I think he got sacked so many times the announcers during the game were talking about how he was battling for the backup job with Sam Darnold and he essentially threw two interceptions that game 
Um, he His one touchdown pass hit a defensive back in the hands and it bounced off his hands right into the uh, San Francisco tight end's hands for a touchdown. So that should have been a pick. And then he hit another defender right in the hands in the, in, in the same, in the same half. So he didn't, he didn't look great. And it's, uh, it's tough to see his, his, is to see this um, downfall of, of Trey Lance. Cause obviously his uh, ceiling was the moon. And now we're, we're starting to see his floor is, uh, is the basement, but um it looks like Brock Purdy is going to be the guy. I think Trey Lance needs to move on from San Francisco, get a fresh start, go to an organization that 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 believes in him. It's clear that San Francisco is just kind of over the Trey Lance experiment. It's just insane that I just don't really understand what they were they, what they were thinking when they actually even traded for him. They moved up from the number twelve overall pick. They 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 traded the twelfth pick and two future picks, which turned out to be Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and Bradley Chubb. Obviously, Miami moved some of those future picks for those other two players in Hill and Chubb. But, I mean, what a landslide victory for the Miami Dolphins. It, it basically propelled them to relevancy right now. And the San Francisco 49ers are, are stuck with uh, Trey Lance. And it doesn't really make much sense to move him because they, they obviously invested so much capital in, in, into him. But I don't know how Trey Lance is going to be successful in an organization where – he he knows that he's not the guy. He he know he he knows he, he's probably not going to get an opportunity unless Brock Purdy, Mister Relevant, gets hurt. So just an unfortunate situation for Trey Lance. Hopefully we can see him in the future start somewhere else. But uh, it's just not uh, not looking good for him in San Francisco. What's crazy in all that and that trade that you mentioned, and all the pieces that Miami was able to acquire in that deal, and how the, the San Fran essentially got nothing has gotten really nothing out of Trey Lance's. In the last two years since that deal was made, the San Francisco 49ers have been to the NFC Championship game in both seasons, and the Miami Dolphins haven't won a playoff game yet, which is kind of nuts. Is, is it not? You no, know, exactly. Me and Aaron were talking about this offline and say, I just don't understand why they risked so much to draft. And when they're in win now mode, they're clearly in win now mode, right? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo brought them the Super Bowl, and they were basically, Jimmy Garoppolo was a one throw away from potentially. Uh, beating the Chiefs in that, and then you trade up, you trade all this capital, the 12th pick and two future f- first to draft a guy that played one game in his final season in college at North Dakota State, which is a lower level Division One program, and Trey Lance was clearly a project. So to bring a a, a big project that like that to the to the NFL and expect him to just be plugged in and all systems go, we're still Super Bowl contenders with Trey Lance. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And Aaron, maybe you can uh, keep touching on this, but I just, I just, it's insane uh, what San Francisco did, but Hey, they're still, they're still pretty successful and Brock Purdy's helping, helping ease the pain, but just, it's just kind of insane. Yeah. I mean, Purdy definitely bailed them out. I mean, they, they did take a big stab out and try to invest in, you know, some teams thinking they're just, you know, one piece away. And if that piece is, uh, you know, your main centerpiece as, as a quarterback, you know, I think that's the thinking, you know, trying to find who's that next, you know, Pat Mahomes or Josh, Josh Allen or something like that. Um, but yeah, they definitely risked, risked a lot. I mean, I think this is a perfect segue to talk like, as we just talked to Anthony Richardson and Trey Lance um, back to back where, um, you know, at least, Anthony Richardson kind of has a cool backup. Like Garner Menchie is just like a, a, a good dude, right? <laughs> kind of, you know, just comes to work. Uh, guy you probably just want to have a beer beer with, right? Where um, I think a couple we'll beers like, with a couple beers. <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> with Menchie. But um, I think to that point, 
um, you know, if you're Purdy, yeah, if he's named the starter, you also don't want Trey Lance just breathing down your throat, you know, every wrong throw you make or anything like that. So um, I, I do think San Francisco should try to trade Lance. I mean, they got um, uh, Darnold uh, as our third quarterback, too. So I, you got to think that is the thinking. Uh, the problem is there's probably not teams that want to want to make that trade. So I agree with it. I think I think you got to just, you know, admit your mistakes and see what you can still recoup, you know, take your losses. And, um, you know, I, yeah, maybe if it's just train Lance for, oh, man, I, I don't even know what, you know, what you can find for him, you know, obviously not the same value, but I think you got to get him off that team, you know, to get better chemistry with uh, with Purdy. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a crazy situation. Stuff that you really can't yeah, make up. Just what they gave up to go get Trey Lance in the draft, and and how it panned out. The like not just a, not just a late round draft pick, but Mister Irrelevant, like taking the spot. It's, it's like it's like a Hollywood script, and it's kind of crazy. But uh, yeah, you know, for for fantasy, I, I'm in on Brock Party this year. You know, he was uh, his QB ADP was like in the 20s. I'm sure with this news, it'll bump up going forward. But you know, he uh he was very productive last season when given the opportunity. I see more of the same this year uh, going forward as well. So um, let's go to the team that actually ended up uh, beating the 49ers. The only loss that Brock Purdy had last season in games that he started was against the Philadelphia Eagles. So let's go to them. We're, we're not going to talk about their defense necessarily, but let's go to the running back room and talk about the, the, the kind of the collection of backs in there. Miles Sanders, as we know, has, has exited. They got the likes of uh, Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott, who were retained from last season. And then they bring in two newcomers in DeAndre Swift via trade and Rashad Penny via free agency. So let's go back to you, Ethan. Where do you, uh, what do you make of this running back room at this point in the preseason? It just crowded uh, all, uh, actually all five uh, running backs in the team, which is uh, Gainwell, Boston Scott, DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, and Trey Sermon are all listed as co-starters. Uh, and their in their preseason action, uh, Boston Scott and Gainwell actually got quote unquote starters treatment and didn't suit up. It was Swift and Penny and Trey Sermon uh, taking the bulk of the carries. Swift uh, didn't play too much. He had a really nice twenty two yard run in, in that game. He he juked the defender at, out of their shoes and, and looked really good. And then uh, Penny had nine nine uh, touches on the ground. But um, I just think it might be a mess. Uh, Gainwell, he's been there uh, last two years. He clearly is um, viewed highly by the coaching staff. And there's, I mean, he's been taking a lot of first team reps in practice. So w- if he, if Gainwell is the, the the third down, the two minute drill running back, I mean, what, what, what Swift, what Swift's role look like? Uh, I think, I think Penny is, has the profile to be the early down grinder and I don't think really anybody on the team profiles to be the Rashad Penny. I mean, to be like that, that, that grinder, except for probably Trey Sermon, who is clearly fifth on this, on this depth chart, he's probably going to get cut. So I think his role is actually probably safest um, in, in this offense. And this price is, uh, is, is pretty cheap as well. But I think Kenny Gainwell is going to make uh, Swift managers very uh, frustrating. Um and uh, I don't think Boston Scott's going to mix in too much, but he he could be a thorn in everyone's side because I think this could be an ugly four-man committee. And if that's the case, I, I kind of don't want anybody in, in Philadelphia. But uh, unfortunately, so far, we don't have a lot of clarity. But um, I think Swift is the most talented back on that team. 
but there's not a lot of team investment considering they only gave essentially a fourth round pick and a seventh round pick swap. And that fourth round pick was in 2025. So it's not like they have a, a ton of commitment to Swift. They already have, they already know who Gainwell is and they seem to like him a lot this year. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it works out, but it's, it's, uh, it's still pretty murky uh, thus far in, uh, in preseason. Yeah. A lot of backs there. It's a committee league as we know, but uh Aaron, what are you making of this uh, this log jam in Philadelphia? Man, I think I think Ethan said it best. I mean, it definitely is cloudy over there, but unfortunately, it's one of the best offensive lines um, in in football, right? So, if not the best, so it, it's definitely you know an offense that you, you it would be nice to have shares of if you if you could guess the right running back. But the problem is. Uh, you know, preseason, as you, you alluded to, people are getting rest and the veteran treatment, and we don't really know who's going to be that um, that stud back there. And and they're probably, I mean, there will be someone that kind of takes over more more often in the early down work, as you said. I mean, as uh, a lot of the listeners know, I I'm one that has uh, uh, been a pretty big fan of uh, Penny, right? In many many weeks uh, in in daily fantasy, as you know, Kamish, but. Uh, so I'm kind of rooting for Penny uh, to kind of take over at the helm, but it it it's rough because yeah, when you have that many uh, that many competing backs, and then you throw on how much um, um, Dalen Ertz uh, rushes as well, and then when he's stealing rushing touchdowns, it it does make it murky, like you said. So uh, once again, it's one of those. Hey, if you're a football fan, just uh, of, of the Eagles, it's like hey, give me get as many weapons as we can get to win, right? But for fantasy it is a tough time of year where you got to be, I mean, we, we probably got to attend almost every uh, practice to really get a, a, a good tell what's, what's truly going, going on. And even that, you know, we, they, a lot of times the coaches don't even know, right. They're wanting them to kind of fight it out and see who's going to come up on top. And even, even in the season uh, they still battle too. So it, it's truly a hard decision to make, but I think just value wise, I'd probably go with Penny. I'm in the penny camp too. I just see him averaging over six yards a carry each of the last two seasons. And I get him behind the best offensive line in football to me. Like that's just at a very basic level, like something that you want, you want to be gravitated towards. And he's uh, you get him at number 92 overall off the board per fantasy pros ADP. So that is still a range where I'm comfortable taking a risk. Now it's murky though, for the reasons that we touched upon. So I, you know, it, is it going to pan out? I don't know, but I'm willing to pay that price point to find out. And I think we'll get what we'll get as the year goes on here. It might be real muddy early. And then, you know, injuries take their toll, as we know. So someone's probably going to fall off in this backfield. And then the, the targets will be more concentrated. You'll probably get more role definition towards the second half of the season. And I don't know exactly who the guy in this room is going to be, but I know I'm going to want to p- want a piece of this running back room in those winter months as, as the season goes on and those – into those you know December and January games that are are you know where the where the money's made in fantasy in the fantasy playoffs. So uh, I think Penny at least has the the workhorse size and the ability to to carve out that role in this team. I'm still gonna take a shot on him there, but it is murky and I'm not like you know over the top for any of these guys. But I probably will take shots on these guys in my various redraft leagues just to see what all the fuss is about. And if one of them pans out, then I'm gonna be really happy with it. So any final departing thoughts on the Eagles? Uh, Eagles running back room before we go on to another position group. I've said enough. It's been said. It has all been no, said. No backseas for me this time. 
<laughs> okay, awesome. Let's uh let's go to the Kansas City wide receiver room, Aaron. It's your uh this is your team. So Ethan and I'll shut up and get out of the way and let you uh <laughs> let you talk about what you're hearing at camp or what you think coming into into 2023 for the defending champion Chiefs. It's definitely uh definitely an interesting story for the second year in a row, right? Just coming off a year where they lost Tyreek Hill. Um, and, and then, you know, I think Pat Mahomes himself last year said, Hey, everybody's going to score. Right. Um, that is, you know, with the exception of, uh, of, uh, Travis Kelsey, who we knew was, was going to be involved in the offense. It kind of did kind of turn out to be, um, just that last year. And I, I, I think, you know, the, the talk is, yeah, you want, you do want to have some pieces of high volume offenses, right. Especially in the passing game in a pass happy league. Um, but yeah, we got a, a, a couple position battles at wide receiver over in, in Kansas City too. You got the good story with Justin Ross, uh, uh, that I mentioned. You know, you got a, a, a speedster veteran that knows the offense with MBS, but they you got the got a newcomer with um with Rice. Uh you got some practice squad guys with um with with Watson over there that uh that they like as well too. But I'm gonna go with the guy who most closely uh, resembles Jamar Chase as far as an athletic profile goes. Um, also finishing in the 99th uh, percentile, guy who we've been high on at different different points in the year, and that's Kadarius Tony. Um, you know, I think this is you know in in the fantasy world, the timing it's almost sets it up where it's, it's good because as soon as Tony was getting that hype um, preseason, he he gets hurt. Um, in, in my opinion, thankfully, um, you know, it, it is just a meniscus. Um, they're very easy to kind of repair, and it was just a pass injury kind of uh, tweaked up a little bit. So they are confident he should be ready for week one, but sometimes that is enough for for uh, fantasy, fantasy owners to kind of be scared off, you know, coming out the gates. They kind of want to draft their starters. Um, but I think if you're patient, I think Tony's going to get involved in that offense. Like, um in Kansas City a lot because if we do know Andy Reid, um, we do know that you know some of his best wide receivers he's had um, has has had a deep game. Um, they they have a red zone game and they uh, make design plays to them. So I think Tony fits the mold of all those. Um, as I mentioned, you know they he's kind of looked at as just a speedster, but um, he does have a deep game, right? Um, I, I mentioned the profile Jamar Chase. Um, he only was um, three hundredths of a second um, uh, slower than Jamar Chase in the 40, running a 4-4-1, a 39 and a half inch vertical, and 11-4 broad jump, which was actually even um, higher than uh, Jamar Chase's uh, broad jump. So, um, you know, Tony is a freak. Uh, I think just the, the, the regular story is can he stay healthy, which has been his concerns. Uh, with the Giants but um, I think if you want to take a risk uh, a little bit of a risk with a high reward you go Tony uh, and then just to close off here in the wide receiver camp I think if you want a little bit more safe play you go Sky more if you want a little bit more consistent maybe PPR points but might not have as many blow-up games as Tony so that's my uh, that's my couple cents not few cents but that's my couple cents in the wide receiver room over in KC <laughs> Well, I'll, I'm actually going to – I want one more cent out of you, Aaron Brown, here. So, I guess t- talk to the listeners about why Sky Moore is, is a safer option here. You know, he last season he had just 22 receptions for 250 yards and no touchdowns in the regular season. So, I guess what uh, what makes him safe in your estimation heading into 23? 
So all the reports out of camp is saying he's a safe um, slot wide receiver. He's taking all the reps there at the slot. I mean, his true competent competition is uh, Richie James, which is all uh, another wide receiver coming over from the Giants. So as we know, wide receivers, um, even running backs in in the Andy Reid offense, do take a little bit of time to get get accustomed to the playbook. So um, I do feel like a, a year two wide receiver um, has the advantage in the Andy Reid system over. Um, like a Richie James. So he's not really competing against uh, uh, Rice or MVS. It's really I, I, that that slot role, which uh, does get a lot of looks from Pat Mahomes uh, when he's not thrown to uh, to Kelsey. Fair enough. Ethan, where are you at in this uh, in this, in this uh, mess of receivers here at, in Kansas City? Yeah, that's what it is. It is a mess. Um, just because outside Kelsey – Mahomes did such a good job dispersing the football last year. I think the only receiver we know their role is going to be like the, the the most solidified role in this offense right now is MVS. MVS is going to be their ex receiver. He's he's going to be he's going to be the starting X. He's going to do his thing. He's going to have a couple boom weeks, and, and that's about it. I mean, in seventeen games. Uh, last year, I think he was wide receiver like 57 or or, or whatnot in half point PPR. Uh, he, he's not a huge fantasy option, but in, in in real life football and in that in that offense, his uh, his position is pretty much locked in. I I would say just because he's kind of the only one that profiles as that um, as that X receiver. I mean, you have Sky Moore and Tony who kind of work more so the middle of the, middle of the field. Uh, I do agree that Sky Moore. Um, has an opportunity to, to kind of be, I guess, the quote-unquote safer option in this offense just because you can get him uh, in the 11th round, wide receiver 52, and obviously Tony, he, he has all the upside in the world, but he's always hurt. So, but I do like, I mean, his ninth round ADP, I, I think if he if he does stay healthy, I think that's a steal, and he has a chance to obviously blow up any week. But, I mean, Sky Moore, he, I believe he played quarterback in high school, and then he transitioned to receiver at Western Michigan, which is obviously a lower level program. And he he came out early after three years, so it's not like he has a lot of experience playing receiver. And then going to the NFL and trying to play, obviously in one of the best offenses in the league, that, that that's kind of asking a lot uh, for a rookie in year one. So I think Sky Moore is going to take a jump this year. I I hope he can win that start starting slot role, and um, all right. And obviously the sky is the limit in that offense, but Mahomes just does such a a good job dispersing the ball, as I said. But I mean, Rasheed Rice is is the 16th round, essentially free. Uh, I do like Rasheed Rice just for the simple fact there's a mystery there. I mean, he could come in the league and and just dominate, or he could just be kind of what Sky Moore was last year, a rookie who's just trying to figure it out. But um, it's it just. It's it's a it's a it's a weird wide receiver room. There, there's really no clear alpha. Uh, I I think uh, between Tony Moore and Rice is is kind of um, basically juggling to see who's going to come out on top. I think Tony will come out on top in terms of uh, overall points if he's healthy. But that that's a big if with with Tony. So um, that that's my uh, initial thoughts on this uh, wide receiver room. Well, let me just jump right in with Tony's health here. I'm actually going to run through. All the injuries this guy has had since entering the league two seasons ago. Uh, it's funny. It actually starts two years ago today is the, you know, these are all the injuries he's had over that time frame. Uh, I'll, I'll just list the body parts here. You know, his thigh injury, hamstring injury, ankle injury, re-aggravation of, the, of that same ankle injury, 
leg, quad strain, uh, quad strain, abdomen, shoulder, knee, thigh, hamstring, knee, like meniscus. Like it's it's crazy. Like this is like a laundry list of stuff for a guy who's only been in the league for two years. Yet I'm still going to talk him up as a guy that I want to draft. Uh, and I'm usually not the type of guy to do that with guys who are just constantly injured. But like the flashes we've seen in Tony are just ridiculous. And with the now being in this Andy Reid offense for a, a full off season, getting the, t- the chance to learn this the system and be a, a part of it. Like I know Andy is going to design plays to get the ball in the hands of his skill players, and I can get this guy outside the top hundred picks. He's currently number one hundred five in fantasy pros ADP. So like I I say it all the time. I want cheap exposure to what guys. Good offenses. Yeah, high-scoring offenses. Aaron, is, is, does your football team score a lot of points? I think over 30 in the last, what, three, four years? Yep. <laughs> One of the highest offenses in the league, but, man, like, so they, they, I think they're going to be again this year. Like, yes, a lot of it goes to Travis Kelsey. A lot of it's going to go to Travis Kelsey. I'm not saying otherwise. I'm not saying Tony's going to usurp Travis Kelsey as the target leader on this football team, but of the collection of wide receivers in that room, I'm just going to swing for the fences here on Kadarius Tony and just kind of hope that I, I this is a, a formula where Kelsey draws away a lot of a lot of defensive attention. It's a good system for an explosive playmaker, and I'm going to hope that it works out. And the best part of the whole thing, guys, is that if it doesn't pan out, I'm drafting him in a range where it's not going to kill me in my drafts, like you've been hearing me say week after week in all these episodes we've been doing. So that's kind of my thoughts on this receiver room. Um, anyone want to jump back in here real quick with any thoughts on on this before we wrap it up? Yeah, I was going to say uh, Aaron mentioned uh, Richie James, and I, I don't think he should be forgotten in this uh, messy receiver room. He had, a, he had a decent year with the Giants last year, and uh, by all accounts, he's having a pretty good camp with the Chiefs. Uh, his position on the team seems pretty secure, according to reports, and that's just another body that's going to kind of make this a little convoluted. But R- R- Richie James, I, I do think, is going to get get his snaps. So it's it's going to be interesting to see of all these receivers um, kind of who's going to come out on top. But as you, as you, as you guys both said, Tony clearly has the uh, he's the front runner. And if he stays healthy, I think he's gonna have a huge season. Big if on Tony's health. Absolutely. But we'll, uh, we'll see where it goes. That's going to be a fun one to monitor throughout camp and, and into the season as well. And I, I will say quickly here too, I think in best ball format is kind of the perfect place to take swings at this receiver room towards the mid to late rounds of your best ball drafts where you just get the best of a guy's performances. Like MVS is a guy to grab there, even though he's not, not sexy in the form of like week to week fantasy, you're never going to feel confident starting him or maybe even any of these guys. But if you can take a swing there with a late, late investment in your best ball drafts, that might be the place where you want to target this receiver room later down the board. But Sunday surefire going forward should be a place that you target for all of your, all of your podcast needs, whether it's redraft dynasty, best ball, whatever the case may be, uh, make sure you're checking us out here. And uh, we've been doing a road trip here for those who've been following us over the, you know, the last handful of months here around the whole country. And we're actually going to going to finish off that road trip here with our next episode. We're going to be covering the NFC South. So don't make sure you're missing a moment of that following us on socials as well. at at Sunday underscore surefire on Twitter and checking out our website, Sunday for all of our latest content there, including our blog posts as well. But until next time, folks, Peace.